Welcome to The Rock Play, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. This is an outdoor podcast that aims for the head. I'm Colin True, and joining me today, fresh from breaking in yet another pair of heavy leather hiking boots, it's Justin Hausman. I do have some new ones coming. Do you uh, really? Yeah, from Vask. No, another pair of scar- Oh, Vask. Yeah. I, you know, I, I haven't been super pumped on um, their stuff lately but uh they, yeah they want they, they want to they they test out some some full grainers and basketball i was wearing and my so- i was wearing my scarpas yesterday god it's great but wait a minute weren't you used to be a, a basque sundowner guy right uh no i just appreciate them i've never owned any um ah. but i do appreciate them what are you gonna what are you gonna what happens if you like them more than your scarpas are you gonna you know there's no i mean i don't know well they're probably gonna be way lighter like the scarpas are so burly so carpers are so gnarly but they are oh, they're so co- they're so comfy are your feet just like yoked because of all the weight they carry around like they're just like there's <laughs> yeah. like veins and shit it's the like, only part of my body that's all veined up i go <laughs> you know when i go to the gym i oh i sh- you know what have you ever seen dudes in like full boots at the gym yes i have i have too and, and like i i'm not that guy but it would be pretty funny to just roll up in like thick gnarly like work cotton socks and yeah. like shorts and like my boots so today on the show, we are, of course, going to talk about some of the more interesting headlines that come out of the outdoor industry and community. But first, we're recording this on Friday, November 30th. We made it to the weekend, and that means it's time for America's favorite podcast segment. What is just what is Justin doing this weekend? So, Justin, what are you doing this weekend? The amount of like angst I feel every time you start to get this little lead in is I love it so much. Absurd. I never have a good answer. It is America's favorite podcast segment. I never know if I should be honest or come up with something funny. Either way, it's You good. want to know what I'm going to do? I'm what are you going to Christ- do? I'm going to get a Christmas tree. We're going to get our, our This Christmas is an interesting tree. topic. So you guys are going to go this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I applaud you for not being a Thanksgiving Christmas tree I would, getter. I, I would have considered it had Thanksgiving been on like the 27th or something, but it was absurdly early this year. I know it's all around, but I'm, I will not listen to Christmas music before December 1st. I'm a big mm-hmm. believer, and it's in the it's in the month that you have. I think Christmas, honestly, should be put on hold until like a week before Christmas. I think if we had to cram it all into the week before, and but like everybody had off work or whatever, it'd be epic, and it would be like the most fun thing <laughs> like ever. You're not allowed to do anything until no, December No, it's 20. like no decorations. <laughs> so my daughter's birthday is December 11th, and we always go like that, that weekend or after, so we're always a little bit later. But I feel like that just... Then you get like, it's like two weeks and it's still kind of a novelty when Christmas shows up. I just, people who get their tree, like put or put it up before Thanksgiving. It's like, I just get annoyed having random shit up in my house, even if it's festive. I feel like this year people were aggressive. Right. I'm feeling that too. And I've talked to a few different people about this. I'm just like, geez, I know you guys didn't have a Christmas tree last year until like (laughs) December 15th. Like what the fuck is going on? Like there's, it's just every, like the day after Thanksgiving, there were so many uh, cars with trees on them around here. I'm like it's November 24th. That's pretty much. That's what I'm doing this weekend, Colin. Well, anyway, what is Justin doing this weekend? Anyway, is presented that's been by our podcast. <laughs> by Long Weekend Coffee with four varieties of beans. Long Weekend is the best coffee for all of your adventures, not just on the weekend. Head to longweekend.coffee right now. Shop around and enter promo code Rock10 at checkout for 10% off of your first order. Long Weekend Coffee. More weekend, please. I got one letter from the mailbag that I, I'm dying to read you because I had Chris Hampton um, on last weekend to talk rock climbing. And I, I kind of posed that you and I were chatting about, like, you know, is, is anything more hardcore than rock climbing? Mm-hmm. Like, just or, or badass. And maybe you don't want to use the word hardcore. And he's like, yeah, I didn't want to agree with you. I'm a, I'm a contrarian by nature and I'm a rock climber, but I kind of have to agree. It's, it is pretty badass when you're up there on the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, so I was like, all right. So we were kind of validated in that thought. But then... I got an email from a listener named Adam Green, 
this is a little this is a little bit longer, but I'm excited to read this uh, to you, Justin. So we we've missed we've been missing something in oh. all of our conversations, and I feel a little bit bad about it. And I want to read this to you and get your take. Okay. So Adam writes, "Hi, Colin. I was just listening to your interview with Chris Hampton, where you declared that rock climbing was the most hardcore outdoor activity." As a thoroughly mediocre outdoor enthusiast, see, I already like this guy, who loves to climb, ski, bike, sail, and paddle, I submit that the most intimidating and hardcore outdoor activity is actually whitewater kayaking. Oh. Yeah. I started paddling Uh 30 years ago, around the time I started climbing and mountain biking, and there's still nothing I have ever done that compares to the intimidation of that moment when you can no longer hear your buddies over the sound of a big set coming up, Mm -hmm. because at that point, there's no turning back. You've crossed the river's event horizon. You may be floating placidly in calm water, but it is already becoming inexorably, exorably, I can't speak, that's a hard word to say. Are you trying to say exorbitantly? I think maybe he didn't spell it correctly. I don't know. (laughs) Pulled into the unseen maw of whatever lies over the visual horizon of the downstream, of of downstream. Now you're dancing to the river's tune. The curtain is about to go up and you better perform. Ideally, you're being towed in by someone who knows the set or at least scouted it. Watch the others paddle. Watch others paddle it. Memorize the shape of all the dynamically changing features and your plan to get through them. But you also know that once you're in the rapid, everything will look different. And there may be the need for a lot of dynamic improvisation as you navigate a forest of perpetually breaking waves, wow. holes, hydraulics, How high and who knows what else. was when he wrote this email? Adam was stoned when he wrote this email. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Adam, uh, right back in. Were you stoned? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, it's a well-written email, but man, that is, that is a Oh, there's more. He says, get it wrong and you're in for a beatdown that can last minutes. Get it very wrong and it could be much worse. You can't dwell on that now, though. You just need to focus. For those few moments before the river takes you over the rapidly approaching horizon, there is just you, the glassy water, about to become a maelstrom, an impossibly loud roar that somehow gets louder every second, and ideally a thumbs up from a friend whose confidence will be contagious. Cheers and keep throwing those rocks. Keep throwing them rocks, he wrote. So what does a set mean like a particular set of rapids it must be yeah 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 not 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 um, the same way you would define a set and serving so it is adam right adam Green? adam yeah adam uh adam uh i don't disagree with any of that i've never actually gone whitewater rafting not like for not like real deal you know paddling um, or or, it, or kayaking or, or rafting period or? period okay. oh yeah right i'm sorry i i'm sorry he said kayaking right yeah yeah i realize there's a difference i've never done whitewater stuff um other than just some lazy floats which is not really whitewater so unless you count <laughs> Like duck diving giant waves at Ocean Beach is whitewater stuff. But anyway, um, I think you're totally right in the sense that you're putting your life in the hands of a much bigger force than you. And I can't even fathom like the freak out nature of some of that. Like it looks terrifying to me. Yeah. And I don't know how to say this in any other way. So I'll just say it. The problem though is that you're <laughs> in like a little kind of dorky looking boat. And <laughs> wow, it, shots fired. <laughs> well, I don't mean it like that. Sorry. Sorry, you shouldn't have said that. A boat. <laughs> You're in a little boat. It's not the same as so like. So it's not dorky looking, or no? I don't know what it is. It's hard to. It's okay. Continue the thought. That was me. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. No, you're it. right. I shouldn't have said that. But like, there's something. There's something about the fact that like a big wall climber. It, it, you're just. You're just. It's just you. Like there's just. It, you're all yoked. Like you're like super fit and super brave and yeah. like all this sort of stuff. And yeah, I'm not saying you're not if you're a kayaker too, but like you're still sitting in a little boat. Like it's just not, it's not the same. It's not quite as, I would argue that it's not quite as objectively badass 
No, I think if you if you're from the perspective of somebody who maybe doesn't do these things, and if you see the photo of like the dude up on the big wall in Yosemite, and there's fucking ropes and everything, like I mean, I think that's just objectively like the most badass looking thing it in, is. in, in it any really of the is. sports that we do. How I've, I've had some friends who are whitewater kayakers, and they they I think they would probably concur with Adam's assessment. I think I think there is a little level of. The, the consequence is probably higher than anything. It's typically climbing is relatively safe. I mean, as long as you're kind of, you know, you're following all the rules and the ropes and the anchors and everything like that versus yeah, that's you true. the that's wrong a good line point. in a boat and it's like you're That's a good fucked. point. I'm not <laughs> saying one, I'm not saying it's easier or yeah. less dangerous. I think there's something just objectively different about it because you're still in a boat. And sure. like, I don't know why that matters, but it does kind of seem to matter. And there, I, 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 dorky isn't the right word. It's awfully hard to look cool in a kayak. But it's very easy to look cool. Oh, see, I disagree. I think, big, I think kayakers look badass. I think, you but do? I, I mean, I think you're you are right. I think there's nothing you can't argue. You look badass if you're on a big wall and you're rock climbing. Just you I actually it. was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's a like a surf podcast, and the host had Keith Malloy on. And Keith is like Keith is a world class surfer. Surfs big, scary waves, and he actually was the one who brought up that like. Big wall climbing is super fucking gnarly and like <laughs> looks cooler than anything else. Uh, he's not totally. even a climber. He's like they dragged me up El Cap, but like he's yeah. And like the the podcast host also climbs and was saying the same thing. I feel really really bad now about the dorky comment. I didn't really yeah. mean it like that. <laughs> I mean, but, relatively speaking, I mean compared to like maybe a sea kayak, maybe they does look a little kind of like you know. It's it's an interesting conversation. I I would I I do agree with you. Like in the objective thing, somebody who doesn't do these things, like what looks the most badass, I think climbing wins. But the the but you know, having done a few river trips and we never nothing ever think maybe been through like one class four rapid, but even just the guides and they're kinda like pointing out like where we're gonna go. And it's like, well, if you don't make the turn at this point, and this is in a raft, not in a kayak, but it's like and you go there, you're like, yeah, you don't want to be there. You know, like, it's just sort of like, what happens if they end up there? Like, you just, you don't want to be there. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, so it's that kind of stark. Like, it could get real bad real quick if you don't go the exact right way. And, like, that's kind of an interesting point about, like, making this, how hard, how hardcore that sport is. Adam, I owe you, I owe you a beer. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to think all day, I'm going to think about how mean I sounded about the boat thing. <laughs> no. I didn't know how else to say it, because that is honestly what I was thinking. It was like, yeah, but, like, I'm picturing... A dude in a little plastic boat, it's just not as it's just not quite as gnarly to me. But that's just me. It's okay to have different it's okay to have different opinions. Did you know that, Colin? <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I thought okay. you're gonna get canceled. Is that how you get canceled? Does he have a different opinion? Yeah, I probably will. Anyway, Adam, thanks for writing in. Uh it's uh whitewater kayaking though, probably definitely deserves some mention next time we're talking about sort of badass sports in terms of in terms of the yeah, that's level. True, for sure. Yeah. And, and there's nothing gnarlier than these like Red Bull lunatics who are like Oh my god. Here's a four hundred foot waterfall. Yeah, I'm just going to paddle right off of that. Yeah. Our first story this week comes from Cycling Weekly, who writes that bloodworms, usually found as fishing bait, could be could be the new doping technique in professional cycling, even at the Tour de France. Hemoglobin from the, I'm not going to say this correctly, the Aranicola, Aranicola, Aranicola marina lugworms, otherwise known as sandworms, is used for medical use because of the worm's incredible oxygen transporting abilities. And the creator of this technique was approached in 2020 by a, quote, well-known cyclist who wanted to use the products or use the product. Uh, the French com- company behind the technology says that lug- lugworm hemoglobin is a universal blood substitute that can transport 40 times more oxygen than human hemoglobin. And WADA, the world anti-doping agency, said that they were aware of the risks of the lugworm hemoglobin. <laughs> I just can't say that with a straight face. Uh, but they had not caught anyone using it yet. Surely that's apparent in a blood test. My, 
I don't know. I, I probably I maybe there's more to find about this. I just I'm like, just can we? I say just let people dope. I mean, look at the, yeah. the lengths people are going to to try and find a blood infusion technology to be better at riding bikes. They're getting well, there's the blood from it, lugworms. I'm like, just, I don't. I, I'm, I give up. There's a couple things that are worth pointing out before we dive into this, which is one that someone some some well this person in 2020, but. At, <laughs> somebody read it. Somebody somehow heard that or read that somewhere. Some cyclist was like, you know what? I'm going to eat those worms. How <laughs> amazing is point. that? They're just like, oh, I bet I could eat those. So here's the thing with something like cycling. Like we obviously hit the limit a long time ago of what the human body can do, like on a bike in terms of endurance and speed and stuff. Yeah. So is it cooler to just be like, yeah, hell with it. Take horse tranquilizers or whatever it takes, <laughs> right. you know, um, and just see how much faster you can go. Or... Or is it more interesting to be like, no, like we, there are limits and like, now let's see your strategy for dealing with that. Like what's more interesting as a, as a, as like a, someone who's viewing these races or cares about, cause I don't give a shit about pro cycling, but like what's more, I don't, I mean, baseball is a great example of that, right? There's a lot of people who are like, I don't care. Let them hit 50 home runs a, a, in the first half of the season. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't matter. It's more fun to watch, which I disagree with, but like, the problem that I always hit with this sort of thing is like, uh, I don't love that you have to like maximize your like, like physical potential at all times to like enjoy yeah. competing in a sport. So to me, I don't love the idea that like, if you're going to allow doping now, everybody effectively has to, because what about the people who just don't want to do that? To your first question is like, what's more interesting. The second thing you said is more interesting. It's like, you know, like the, as I understand it, the, the real advantage to the doping, the doping and the kind of illegal substances in cycling is recovery. Right. Yeah. It's like because like you think of these 21 I mean, we talk about badass sports. We're talking about like whitewater paddling. Yeah. That, there's nothing more to me more yeah. badass than the Tour de France. I like, agree with that. So Gates, for 21 days, you're going to ride your bike 100 miles. As Most of the time you you're going over the, the Alps time. and the Pyrenees. Yeah. So the, the, it's really the recovery and like the, the dopers we all know about from like the early 2000s. That's kind of the thing, right? The, oh, they had a bad day on the bike, and the next day they came back and look at them go. And it's like, yeah, because they got infused with how many bags of blood probably totally. overnight. So. I agree with you that that's more interesting to see like, well, you had a good day. Are you going to have a good day tomorrow? I mean, I don't really, I'm not condoning doping. I just sort of kind of throwing my hands in the air of like saying that everybody is so hell bent on finding the next advantage that we're infusing our bloodstreams with fucking sandworms. It's like, yeah, just, it's and maybe cool. it's not that big a deal, but it just sounds unbelievable to me. I, I, the, our entire approach to sports and I don't mean America, but like across, well, I guess I mostly do. Cause I don't, you know, I don't know what it's like to live in another country, but <laughs> is so to me insane. Like, yeah, we've so long ago forgotten that it's entertainment. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, none of it should matter. <laughs> like, yeah. trying to maximize like every possible benefit you have and be single-minded, focused with this sort of stuff to me just seems kind of silly. Well, if you put money on the line, then I, I get it, right? I mean, that's kind of ult if you and I wouldn't do this, you know, because like we don't. Who cares? We're not getting paid to do it. But I guess if it's your job, I, I mean, maybe that's a different, you know, scenario. Yeah, the baseball thing to me, like, I, I I'm glad that they're that's getting it's getting cleaned up. I don't I don't like that people are being left out of the Hall of Fame because it was such a crappy time and it wasn't being regulated and they it was basically legal know. to do it. And it's like the fact that Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and I don't yeah. know. Mark McGuire aren't in the Hall of Fame is ridiculous. I don't agree. I don't what? agree because I don't agree because it's like you can't you can't you have no idea how many home runs Mark McGuire would have. I mean, Barry Bonds arguably had a Hall of Fame career before he 
All of those guys did. Eh, McGuire, eh, maybe. McGuire was always doing steroids, though. He was always on it. (laughs) That's true. But it wasn't, it was not, it was like frowned upon. It wasn't like, it doesn't matter. See, that's what I mean. No, I don't think it does. Well, okay, okay, all right, all right. Think about this, right? Like, well, I guess it comes back to that there were people who didn't want to have to do that. And like, you got like, you got second baseman who've never hit more than 13 home runs hitting 60 or whatever in the season. And it's like, well, no, I have to. This is fucked. Like, it's not fair to the people who don't want to have to do that. And that's what pisses me off about all of this. Even if, even, even the like constant daily, I'm up at four grinding harder than you. It's like, well, maybe I was just, I might be better at baseball than you. You worked out more than me. All right. Congratulations. But like, I might actually just be naturally better than you, but I won't be able to show it on the field because I didn't like kill myself every single day working out, you know? So, all right. The principle what you're saying, I, I don't disagree with. However, when I'm looking at the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame is a museum. It's a baseball history well, that's museum. True. And yeah, it's that's like true. Ty Cobb is in the Hall of Fame. Like, if we're going to kick people out for yeah, doing steroids, and he should be kicked out for being a racist dickhead. You know no, what I mean? It's kind of no, like— No, you're, you're right about that. I'm just—the more the more I'm think, listening to myself talk and, and, and hearing this—I this, uh, think it's actually a pretty interesting discussion— is that uh, <laughs> it really comes down to I'm not particularly competitive. <laughs> and <laughs> time in. <laughs> no, I and and ultimately I don't really I don't really care. I just think it is funny to think about the behind the scenes of like you know, the writers like, hey man, you uh you on the worm? You you know? worm. I mean that seems cool. <laughs> that seems better than like I mean they were like filling their oh, God, I don't I, I just rem- like weren't they like I feel like there's people like drinking urine and like drinking and like it putting other people's blood in their well, bodies. and that was kind I mean, of my initial point. Of it's smoked. like there is no line that won't get crossed in the name of getting a little bit of an advantage. Uh, in in sports like this. So so our next story is also from Cycling Weekly, and it's about Gravel Kansas, which is a statewide route creation initiative that empowers riders to explore the 90, this is a real number, 98,000 miles of unpaid Kansas roads and the communities surrounding them. This ambitious project has been in the works for years and was launched this fall with an initial catalog of nearly 80 routes spanning every quarter uh, corner of the Midwest state. This is more than just unveiling new routes, said founder Lalanne Dines, Danes. I don't know how to pronounce the name. And another thing I have to pronounce. It's about showcasing a whole state of hidden gems, histories, quirks. It's about a storytelling through cycling and reminding people that there's still exploration to be had. Not only new gravel routes, but also new people to meet as well. I freaking love this. You know, so like, what did mm-hmm. you think when, when reading this? Well, I've, I mean, I've known Kansas is like a gravel place for a while. I mean, mm. um, they have a huge race that's been like a thing for a few years now. Yeah, the Gravel Unbound. It's actually, the, this is a, he was a founder of that. Okay, yeah. there we go. So um, I think it's awesome. And like, have you been to Kansas? I've just driven through it like one time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, me too. Marley Real Memory or, wow, this is not ending, is it? And also, uh, these are re- like really nice rest stops. Like, oh, yeah. Kansas had like European level rest stops where you'd like, there'd be like someone working there. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, would you like to find out some information? I'm like, about what? Have you looked outside? <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing out there lady i think the eastern side of canvas was pretty rolling it was actually what like i think i think nebraska is way worse than kansas in terms of yeah, yeah that's i i do remember the role it wasn't like it wasn't right. i don't remember it being like carpet flat or anything i mean i'm sure it was but um i would love to do that i mean like that's that would be so much i'd almost rather do that than go like riding trucky or you know like downhill and trucky or something oh that's that's what i mean like i love seeing like and i see ninety eight thousand miles of gravel like yeah that sounds incredible i want to go check out kansas now i never would have thought of that it just reminded me like i was talking to kyle frost this week and we we're talking about the the trillion dollar economic impact report that came out and just the my key takeaway from that is like just how do you leverage this in areas where people aren't thinking about going for outdoor recreation? Everybody thinks of like the same six places. It's like, well, yeah. actually, Kansas is a pretty dope place to go ride a bike. You should go check it out. 
Well, we all should be better at that sort of thing. I mean, we just just did the the Adventure Journal podcast, the new one that drops today. We interviewed Alistair Humphreys, who's oh, yeah. kind of fa- famous for making the micro adventures, like hashtag a big deal. And he's like the dude's like crossed Antarctica on foot. And he's and a like legit adventurer. Across the, I mean, he's like, but he oddly enough, I mean, I guess there's plenty of competition for that slot. So he kind of made his his bones by like writing about how great it is to just go on the hill across the street from your house and sleep there at night, even if it's not legal, you know, just, just have these little adventures. And so he, the one that we, he wrote, just wrote a book called local. And he's like, I, I don't basically, he's like, I don't particularly enjoy where I live. Some suburban town in, in England. It's not that cool. <laughs> uh, I always, I go on these amazing trips and come home and I'm like, Ugh. and so he, um, you know, like decided fuck it. And like got like a huge topo and was just like gridded everything out. He's like, I'm just going to go explore all these little grids. And, it's easy for me to say that because I live in Marin County, which is like one of the most beautiful places yeah. in North America. But I feel that way about here. It's like I want to explore every little bit. And even having said what I just said, it is very beautiful here. It's st- I'd still rather be like in the mountains, you know, like sure, somewhere right. where it's even more grand. Um, so I- even though it's pretty here, you can still be kind of like another redwood, you know, like whatever. Um, <laughs> but I think there's something hugely valuable in um, appreciating places like Kansas yeah. or anywhere for what they are. I mean, like if you could get to the point where you didn't need horseshoe Canyon or whatever that fucking place is near the grand Canyon, which is so gorgeous to experience joy outside. If you could just be on some gravel road, probably between cornfields and Kansas and experiencing that kind of joy, you're in a way better place. This is why I don't mind. Like when people like people talk about, you know, the overcrowding in national parks. I'm like, I always kind of, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in national parks that I haven't seen that I want to see, but it's also kind of like, I kind of look at national parks as like beginner outdoors. It's like, you know, this is the place you come to. And you cut your teeth. And, yeah, that means there's probably going to be some idiots who aren't, like, super cleanly and they might be loud or whatever. But they also don't know the rules yet and that kind of thing. It's like, well, you could go – I guarantee you you'd find a lot of solitude on, like, 98,000 miles of gravel roads in yeah. Kansas. You know, and, and it'd probably be really interesting. You know? you'd, that? Learn that you don't, you'd learn that you don't have to be in these, like, cathedrals of yeah. the outdoors to, to experience all the same thing. Uh, the other I one I point to is, uh, you know, and, and I know the Walmart family's involved, the Wall family, whatever, but it's like, who would have thought that I would ever want to go to Bentonville, Arkansas? Like, no offense, Bentonville, but it wasn't on well, my I've radar. I've never been to Arkansas, but Arkansas is beautiful. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. every place is. You know, the point I made on the yeah. conversation with Kyle is it's like, what about some of these, you know, states, like, in the southeast that are constantly lagging behind in, like, important social, like, metrics? It's like, why not, like, hey, we have a trillion dollar economic impact, create some, like, things like what's going on in Kansas with these gravel roads. Make, give, give me a reason to be like, huh, Alabama. I definitely want to go check this out in Alabama. I'm not saying that right now, which is not fair to Alabama. I'm sorry, Alabama. Next story is a win for AI. As scientists at the University of Copenhagen, Copenhagen and the University of Victoria have used, this is really cool, are used artificial are intelligence to find a formula to predict road waves, rogue waves. Why, why do people in Copenhagen give a shit? <laughs> I don't know. That's good. Victoria. I get least, Victoria. It, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so they analyze ahead. over a billion waves to find out what causes. Oh, I know why. That's where Maersk shipping is based. Where? What's based there? Maersk, like the biggest shipping company in the uh, world. That's yeah, why they care. That probably that's totally why they care. No, that's exactly why they care. Yeah, he probably don't. Maersk is a is a dude. He's the richest dude in Denmark. He's like the only billionaire in Denmark. No way. Well, he's probably like, I right, or at least, or at least the guy who owns that company. I'm not sure how his name is actually Maris. Maybe he lost he the probably, boat and it was like, we got to figure this out. Oh, I'm sure they fund the living shit out of the out of the university. Anyway, go ahead. Well, they said that rogue waves have until recently been considered a myth, but in the past few decades, they've been finally accepted by scientists who define them as ocean open ocean waves that are twice as large as the average surrounding waves. So what they did was they used data mining and in, interpretable machine learning to analyze a huge amount of observational data. They studied uh, buoys by 158 
different locations around the U.S. coast and, con- uh, and cataloged 1.5 billion waves in total, 100,000 of which are fit the criteria for rogue waves. Wow. And then they used the wave data set to train an AI network, which returned a mathematical equation detailing the various causes of rogue waves. And then this equation was then interpreted by using existing wave theory to produce a model that can produce reproduce behavior that we've previously seen with rogue waves as well as predict future ones. It's not rogue anymore. It's not rogue if you know it's coming. I mean, I can, I can even understand half of what I just read. I just think we're such little insecure and scared creatures most of the time. And then, you know, especially when we think about AI and technology, we think the worst. But then a story like this comes along and I'm like, dude, humans rule. <laughs> like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, that's incredible that we it did is pretty, that. That is pretty insane. Yeah, that is pretty insane. I mean, it, 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 as far as I know, and I talk a lot about, my wife would back me up on this. I, most evenings, if we actually talk to each other versus just deal with the children, it's usually me railing against the evils of AI <laughs> <laughs> and her trying to be like, actually, it could be good. As far as my understanding of AI is you basically just like pour every possible data point into something and just let a computer sort it out. Like that's all it is, right? You're just like, hey, we've had, here's where we've recorded waves forever. Just tell us if this is going to happen over here now. And then it just does that. And that's actually a good point. The algorithm or the AI, maybe not even what's impressive, but the fact is we have a billion waves to study, you know, like just didn't get, and then we can figure out a hundred thousand of them were rogue waves. But that's for sure the reason why. Totally. Like that, like, like it's a shipping concern. There's money behind, like there's money behind it if you're a shipping company, which you makes sense too. I don't like, know. You yeah. See some of those TikToks of those boats out there in the middle of the north North Atlantic. Talk about like badass. That. <sighs> that might be more badass. Damn, that actually, I, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna come out and say it. That's more badass. If you're on one of those boats, yeah. I don't even care if you're just like a, a cowering deckhand. Yeah. And you know you're going through one of those like horrific storms. You're more badass than Alex Honnold free soloing. Okay, cap. Sorry. There's nothing scarier. I I, I agree nothing. with you. Like I would really nothing. like to go to Antarctica at some point. But I the the thought of like crossing like on boat down there and like a storm cropping up or something scares me maybe more than anything. I would. My favorite thing about those videos, those like terrifying videos from like the captain's seat or whatever, yeah. are the little windshield wipers. <laughs> and it's just like, what do you? You don't even. You don't want to see what's out there, man. Yeah. I would pull the shades down. You know when you like the 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 best part of the uh, when you see. Um, when Nazare's going off, and it's because it's, mm-hmm. it's filmed from the cliffside, and it just kind of—it's well, also it, above, so it makes the wave look. It bigger. makes the wave look even crazy big than it actually is. And then you see these—the footage you're describing, which is already—I don't know—what is it like a hundred feet off the, well, the top of the, the those shipping yeah, containers? Yeah, and yeah. the wave that they're filming—it looks like it's on par with where the camera is. Yeah. And, but you're in the middle sweet. of the ocean now. You're not on a nice little cliffside going, "Oh wow, look at that big wave." That is just—it's horrifying, like horrifying. Well, I, and I think rogue waves actually will break because there's. Yeah. They're so big, like at a certain point, the like weight of the top of the, like there's all kinds of weird science behind it, but like mostly the big ocean waves don't, giant swells don't really break. So you're, it, it's scary, but you're fine. Right. Um, but a rogue wave will break and that's bad. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, we can wrap it up there. So what do you got going on? We got AJ31 coming out. So that was at the printers this week. You got the AJ podcast. What else is going on? Is that it? Well, yeah. Well, be sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your pods. Leave us a five-star review. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC. For Justin Hausman, I'm Colin True. Thanks for listening. And here to take us out is one of the lead singers from Less Than Jake, Krista Makes, with the Rock Fight Fight song. We'll see you next time. Rock!